Hello, everybody. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. We have a great show for you today. For those of you who are new to the podcast, we stream a new show every Monday and Thursday through CharismaPodcastNetwork.com. It also streams on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, pretty much anywhere that podcast can be listened to. And for those of you who are familiar with the show, um, thank you so much for continually tuning in. And I appreciate you guys. So many people have reached out to me to say that you've been blessed by the show, encouraged, inspired, and that you've shared it with family members, friends, social media. And so that is always huge. And I'm excited to be here in 2021 with some amazing guests on the show today, as well as in the lineup and in the coming days. And so I'm having um, two people on this. This is my first time since I've been doing Awaken Podcast. I used to do Awaken Live, and I'd have a couple people on, and we'd do the video format. But right now, doing the audio podcast, my first time having two guests, and so I'm excited about that. And Paul Young, this is about his third time on the show with me today. And so Paul Young, he's the author of The Shack, Crossroads, Eve, Lies We Believe About God, and now he's co-authored a book entitled Pastor uh, the Pastor, A Crisis, with his good friend Brad Jersak. And so Brad is an author and itinerant speaker and teacher. He's authored the book, Can You Hear Me? Um, tuning into a God Who Speaks and many others. He told me actually before the show that he's he's written 20 books. And so that's quite impressive. That's awesome. And so thank you so much for uh, joining me, Paul and Brad. Hi. How long have you guys known each other? I could tell you're close friends. Ooh, how long, Bradley? It's so weird. We've known each other for probably 10 years by email, but then we only met face to face on the set of The Shack when they were doing the movie. And oh, yeah. mm. that's a yeah. whole story in itself. But yeah, ever since, we, we have just been, we keep getting invited to the same things ever since. And so we get to see each other in person a lot now, except for COVID. No, oh, sure. And, um, but yeah, it, this is one of the great gifts of our of our lives is that God threw us together with no effort, and it feels Paul always says this, and I agree. It's there's just no work involved in being his friend. It's it's pure joy. <laughs> so you know, th- there are some there are some relationships in our life that are just such kisses of grace, and and you know them because you always just pick up where you left off. I mean, yeah. there's no. There's no work to it. There's no sense of expectation. There's mm-hmm. no, it's just like, ah, uh, this is easy. This is, <laughs> and I think this is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The effortlessness of grace. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And so I know you guys, you've, well, you guys have developed a friendship over the past 10 years. You also, this is your first book that you guys have co-authored, a book called The Pastor, A Crisis. It's a, it's a novella or a parable of sorts. And so how was that experience? I loved I a loved wonderful the experience. experience. Yeah. Yeah. And um and partly because it was just an excuse to do something together. <laughs> and uh, and so so that was great. The book itself is 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 not an easy read or listen. And and Bradley and I would both highly recommend people if they're going to take a crack at it to start with the audio book because um, Boyd, who put that whole thing together mm-hmm. and mastered it, uh, treated it like, um, I mean, he brought in voice actors. And so it's like theater of the mind. And oh, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's beautifully done. And the actors were not just doing a job. They were really engaged with the content. And you can tell. And um, the book is beautifully uh, brutal. That's a quote from <laughs> someone who who read it, and yeah. uh, uh, because it deals with some really hard things, some really sure. basic questions. But the mm-hmm. the process of doing it, you know, Brad originated um, 
the the guts of it, uh, the idea for it, and then we just collaborated together from there. But well, that's awesome. But I'm that's... I'm grateful for that journey. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely, I, I listened to um, the audio and it's powerfully done. The actors, you're right, did it with all of their heart. They did not hold back. It's very like, you know, an easy listen. It's like, wow. But at the same time, you're right. It's raw. It's vulnerable. It's honest. And it looks into the heart of a broken and shattered individual at their breaking point. And it goes through the process of this person's redemption and, and a restoration that takes place in their life. And I know that both of you guys have experienced, you know, pain and brokenness um, in your life and have walked through it with the Lord and have really seen freedom and healing. Is that, and I know you guys have inserted your stories a bit into this novella in hopes that it'll bring, you know, freedom and healing to others. Is that right? And I know even other people's lives, you know, it's like so, so many things you've experienced you know, yourselves as well as people around you have, have been inserted into this book. Oh, yeah, it's true. Um, we're both, you know, we've both been through the mill of having to face damage we've done in our lives and other people's lives. Um, we've also been the recipients of amazing grace and we've seen the power of mercy and, and, um, yeah, that we have composite characters within the book who represent real stories from broken lives, but redeemed lives. And that includes both victims and perpetrators. And this is a way for their stories to be told in a sense um, without, you know, breaking anonymity and all of that stuff. And yet saying, you know, these are, these are real life stories. We we like to mention that some of the dialogues with Jesus or Max or whoever, uh, or Sage or all these various characters in the book, they, they do represent real dialogues from true lives. uh, Some of them copy and pasted from our own, our own text messages with those people. So mm. uh, that's, that's in my opinion, why it's not simply gratuitous in its look at issues like abuse. It's we're h- hitting them head on with a deep belief that no one is unhealable or irredeemable. Mm. Paul, you want to add anything to that? Um, I would just underscore that, you know, the, the thrust of this is to, was really the question is there such a person who is irredeemable mm-hmm. or is, is are, can you get to the place of brokenness where, where wholeness is no longer an option, you know? And, um, and so I, I, I love that question. And, um, and that's the one we went after. And our, our conclusion is no, there is nobody who is irredeemable and there is nobody who is beyond the process of restoration. Mm, absolutely even our deepest darkness i know i've heard you guys ask that question is anyone irredeemable and i've heard you even brad in an interview say is the gospel of christ and his light able to handle our deepest darkness and the depth of our depravity it's even a question of who god is what what is his character is he ashamed is he is our sin too deep and dark that he looks away because He's a God of justice, you know, and sin must be punished or, you know, really a lot of the time it's, it's not, it's not just a question of his ability. It's a question of his heart and his nature. Wouldn't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. No question. Mm. Yeah. Paul, why don't you mention something about lives, lies we believe about God? Cause I think that goes to the heart of the matter here. Ah, so <laughs> it's, it's just a, one of the nonfictions that I've written and and it has, uh, I really you know, my people, I'm a missionary kid, preacher's kid in a very Western evangelical holiness 
uh, frame of reference. And that's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the questions about the nature and character of God are really at the core of why I even address the lies that we believe about God, because mm-hmm. I think we believe a lot of lies about God. And, and, and not only did our experience deliver those lies to us, um, but our theology oftentimes did. And, um, and when you, when you deal with people's brokenness, it's like, so is that the truth of who people are? Is, is their brokenness is actually what defines the truth of who they are? And then when we deal with the nature and character of God, what is the, the basic revelation that we have? And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's Jesus. And, um, and Jesus becomes the revelation of the character and nature of God, yes. very tangible yes. and very present in our humanity. Um, and, and Bradley and I are both convinced that the, that the uh, presence of darkness only exists because light was there first. Amen. Right? Mm. So there are so many things that, are, that have actual existence, and then there are sort of the the negative of those things that have actual existence that actually don't exist in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, you can have truth without lie, but you can't have lie without a truth. Mm. Right? Yeah. So lies yep. cannot exist within and of themselves. You can have freedom without bondage, but you can't have bondage without freedom. There's no wow. even definition for it, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and so, and this applies to everything that is real. You can have love without fear, but you can't have fear without the presence of love being involved. Mm. And, and so light and darkness, you can have light. Light has speed, it has particle, it has wave, uh, but darkness doesn't have anything. Darkness doesn't actually exist in and of itself. It only exists as a negation of light, right? Wow. So you can have wholeness without brokenness, but you can't have brokenness without wholeness. And that means that all of these things that are actually true and real exist because of the, the very being of God. Wholeness, truth, light, hope, peace, love, joy, grace. Yeah. They're real. Yes. And all these other things are part of the darkness of illusion and delusion and, and only have reference in their il- illusion and power because something real actually exists. And so much of our religion has been to focus on the things that don't exist. Wow. Rather than that which does. Mm. And so, so this is why we're attractive attracted to redemptive story even in in a commercial when you see a kindness it impacts you yeah and and it's like why why are we attracted to that why does that pierce through the the surface of our you know masked lives and mm-hmm. gets down inside why does the the presence of a child uh challenge the illusions of our uh, adultery uh, in the sense of being adults. And, um, and again, it's because we're dealing with something that is actually real and true and, 
and eternal, which drives right back into the very nature and being of God. Because wow. without, without the nature of God being true, those things can't exist. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and once you turn that little uh, what paradigm shift and you begin to look differently, mm-hmm. you begin to realize, even in the life of the person who's standing in front of you, that their brokenness isn't the, isn't the truth about who they are. Yeah. That brokenness exists as the expression of a lie, and that mm-hmm. lie can't exist without there being a truth that is much more deep and more, more real, actually mm-hmm. real, versus the lie that is not real. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. There, that was very clear and, and deep. It's powerful, because honestly, at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's an identity crisis. God made us pure. He made us in his image and in his likeness. And I just love what you said about just like the uh, presence of a child or, you know, just laughter, dancing, you know, a family, a family, you know, spending time together around the table, sharing life and breaking bread and, you know, so many amazing things. And you don't need to be a believer to experience the beauty of life, you know, in that sense, because we're all made in the image and likeness of God. Some, some, obviously it's marred a little bit, you know, more, more than others and are, and expressing it, you know, in, in, in bigger ways and, you know, more clear ways. But at the same time, it's just, I I would, I would suggest that it's not marred. It's just masked. Mm. It's covered up. So rather than, you know, the, the statement of Martin Luther, that we are snow covered dung, I call that piece of sh- piece of shit theology. <laughs> um, rather than snow covered dung, we are dung covered diamonds. Mm. You know, and that's good. I like and that. So it's not because here's the problem: as soon as you say that the image of God is marred or changed or disintegrated or diminished, then that which diminishes it is actually more powerful and more real mm, that's, yeah. than the image of God. That's good, and that's a problem. That's the problem. Wouldn't you agree, Bradley? I would. And, you know, the early church fathers used the same language. They spoke about, um, well, okay, you know, in the West, there was this idea that we're fundamentally flawed now and the image has been broken and all of that stuff. But guys like St. Gregory of Nyssa, he would say, oh, no, you are a diamond. And, um, and, And then the problem is that we are tarnished. And so again, tarnish does does not penetrate the diamond. Um, it can be cleansed from the diamond. That yes. the, that our mm. life in Christ is an unveiling of the beauty of what's inside there, and um, and to take it out of the realm of gems back into people. In some ways, it's it's an unveiling of the beautiful child, mm. the son or the daughter, and. Come on. Yeah, and so um, so when we use a word also like cleansing, for example, um, the Bible used this metaphor that that we're a bride and that the bride has stained her garments. And when Christ comes to cleanse the garments, which are, are they said it's the righteous deeds of the church, whatever you know, <laughs> whatever language you want, you want to use, but to think about about grime or a stain being removed from from the dress, wedding dress or from even the skin of the of the bride that that you don't do that with with a knife <laughs> you mm-hmm. oh yeah it's a, a launderer's soap it says in in malachi right or again the refiner's fire that removes the dross from the gold 
And it, but there it is. The piercing is still there the whole time and at the very core of who everyone is. Yeah. So I have, mm-hmm. a, I have a young man friend and he hurt his spouse deeply and, and which I was very angry about it. And, um, and we're sitting there because he, he wanted to talk to me and I'm, I'm letting him talk. And the first part of the conversation, he's trying to spin blame in other directions than own it himself. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I get all that. And, and about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes and just listening to him, I finally say, you know, I'm, I am so unimpressed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I didn't buy what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And he, and he knew it. And immediately he, he fell into what I completely identify with. And that is, he started saying, all I am is a piece of shit. That's all I am. And mm-hmm. he started to weep. You know, all mm-hmm. I am is a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I said, you know, if there's anybody on this planet who knows that you are not a piece of shit, it's me. But you are full of shit. <laughs> right? Yeah. So which is a really important distinction. And, and the truth of your being is, is the diamond, but, but you, you're, you're done covered. You've got all these excuses and you're not Mm -hmm. dealing with the real stuff. And, and, and it's like, ah, and that, and that's not an accusation. And and the piece of shit. Yeah. And the piece of shit theology is one of the ways of denying it. It's not repentance. And so it's another cover up. It's an exit from repentance in a sense, isn't it? Like, yeah, at least for me, it was, it's a quick exit ramp mm-hmm. into self pity, well, which is another coping mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's an exit ramp into nowhere because here's the problem to prove to yourself and to God that you're not that requires perfect behavior. Mm, yeah. And, and now I'm as good as my last moment of holiness. Right. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly if, if I am snow covered dung, like Martin Luther said, and, and I run out of the capacity, especially if I start this journey broken, right. And I, I just don't have what it takes to perform perfectly, to be holy, according to all the behavioral criteria then at the end of the day, I just run out of hope. It's like, mm. I'm, I'm trying to be something that I actually, at the core of my being, am not. Yeah. And so a lot of us who grew up in that kind of religious frame of reference, we lived lives where we actually continuously accused ourselves of being fakes. You know? And we couldn't tell people what was going on in our lives because that would just validate the piece of shit theology. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, you go, you're going to run out of energy at some point and say, like, what do you expect, you know? I, because as a person thinks in their heart about the truth of who they are, so becomes the way of their being. So they are, right? As a person thinks in their heart, so mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. But it's not saying that, oh, by thinking you're a piece of crap, does it, mm-hmm. you are now a piece of crap. No. But as, <laughs> if you believe you're a piece of crap, you will let people treat you like one and you will act like one. Yeah. Because it just will come out. So as a person thinks in their heart, so becomes the way of their being. And, and so when you're looking around and people are acting in crappy ways, you're getting a view and looking through a window into how they think about themselves. Mm-hmm. 
right? Because it comes out. And then when you think that, well, I've got a sin nature, that's, that's the theology that just destroyed my life in so many respects. Yes, the sin And that is, mm-hmm. you know, how do you get away from it? Well, you have to wait till you die. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and some, or you, you're supposed to have this great holiness experience that after that, all things, all old things are passed away. <laughs> and now you're back on the performance ritual. And if you kind of misstep, then what? You can't tell anybody mm-hmm. because it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and that we, goes, you know, to the, to the very definition of sin too. So. Oh yeah. Now if we got to wait till death to be free from sin and to no longer struggle with sin, then death is now the crowning champion uh, and savior of our exactly. lives instead of Jesus death Christ. Wins. Oh yeah. And then it's death not even, bigger, not death, a full work. It's bigger than God. Yeah. yeah. Death is bigger than God. Right. Cause Because I'm sorry you died. This is God saying, I'm I'm sorry you died. There's nothing I can do for you now. Death wins. Yeah, I know. I know. And it wouldn't be a completed work when Jesus uttered on the cross that it is finished. It is done. You know, it would have been a partial work. He would have just forgave our sins, but left us with this evil nature that we'd have to battle with our entire lives. He didn't destroy. He didn't take care of the sin issue fully. He just forgave our sins and kept us sinful. Did he not destroy death and the power of death and the fear of death? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Is this one reason why, you know, I'm just curious, too, that the book is called The Pastor, A Crisis. Why did you guys choose a pastor to kind of embody um, this message? Well, they're an easy mark, aren't they? Um, <laughs> on, on one level, we, we chose that because that's, our, that's what we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. That's the... That's, that's part of the world that we come from. Mm-hmm. And, and there's some unique things about pastors that put them in this position, including the ability to have a dysfunctional relationship with responsibility that makes them an expert. And then there's the moralism that they can preach. And so there's other, some other sort of slimy characters out there that don't bear those kind of issues. Mm-hmm. And, and then another thing is like, there is so much, almost schadenfreude, pain, joy, and glee when we see public celebrity pastors fall. It's a very dramatic thing. And Mm -hmm. so they become very much among the despised. Mm -hmm. And so even those who would, let's say, that that they've come to hate the church, whatever that is, and then then the pastor actually represents that. And so um, somebody pointed out after the fact that, in a way, our pastor not only represents that kind of hypocritical authority, spiritual, religious authority, but also represents American Christianity at this Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. And there's a challenge right now. Like if you ask me, is American Christianity redeemable? Ooh, (laughs) I might, my, my, you know, what what am I going to say? What's my knee jerk reaction to that? But you can hear in me then the judgments rising up. So what we're wanting to do then is to say, let's take someone who we could um, exercise our our option for righteous anger, but also kind of ugly judgmentalism, right? Mm-hmm. Here's who we would pick on. Now, what's going to happen when you read a book where, if that guy's not irredeemable? What? How might that heal me of my judgments? And, and then also um, address the problem of those who think forgiveness is just letting someone off the hook 
Mm-hmm. What we'll find in the pastor is not someone getting off the hook. He is having to face deeply into this crisis or ordeal or judgment of who he is, what he's done, why he's done it, and all of the damage that that. And so, so even our idea of grace, grace is not just covering over the shit with somebody with Jesus now. <laughs> it's it's saying this is truly a heart conversion has to happen. And so, I, I was reading yesterday by. I, I, it reminds me of George McDonald, but I don't think it was him. But he would say this too. It's it's not just that sin needs to be forgiven. Um, it needs to be healed. It needs to be converted. It needs to be eradicated. It needs to be destroyed, whatever ways you think of. But, but the point is that there's something. Grace does something far more deep and thorough than yes. simply washing over. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's, it's a crisis for this guy. And it's... I, I think what we've done is we've presented a guy you could hate. Mm. And what if your hate gets healed during the course of reading this? <laughs> awesome. Oh, uh, tell that's right. Talk about Bradley. Talk about the conversation you had with the, with the gal who was reading it about her, her journey as she read it. Yes, please do. Sure. Uh, so, so I have this friend who, um, uh, she was raised in a very dysfunctional home with addicts. Um, put into foster care where she was abused, became uh, deeply involved in a, in a eating disorder that drives her to run. And so, you know, if she has a couple cookies, she will be compelled to run a marathon, literally, you know, and, and so there's a level of, of frustration and self-hatred driving that, but also is the fruit of that. So she was, she read the book or perhaps she was listening to the audio and she's on one of these runs and she's thinking about the look and she's gone halfway through the book and she just, she just hates this guy. And then she's completely arrested during the run and stops, stops her run to message me. And she, she says, uh, I, I found, I found myself hating him. And then I found myself unable to hate him. And and forgiving him, and then she, and then she said, "Does that mean I could stop hating me?" Wow! And it's very strange because you know she is nothing like the pastor, except in this that the turn from hatred to forgiveness. What if that applies to the person she hates the most, who isn't the pastor or even her perpetrators? It's herself. Mm. But in letting him off the hook, it raised the possibility that it could let her off the hook. The hook of judgment and not not the hook of the pain of restorative justice and healing, but just like letting letting ourselves off the hook where we have climbed up onto the judgment seat and displaced Christ, which is really a no no because he's the only one who can trust to be on the judgment seat because mm. he's the only one who will render a verdict of mercy. We That's don't right. do that. <laughs> That's right. So she was, she was kind of at a crisis point herself where it's like, will I resign as my own condemner? And uh, so that was really, we were grateful to hear that kind of story coming out of someone reading the book. I mean, it's really important. It will be life and death for her, actually. Um, we'll see if she can play it out just as we see if the pastor can. When you, when you look at the cover and you just see the pastor, it automatically... You, you have opinion about it one way or the other, but it's about a position. It's not 
and and what happens in the book is that you you come to know someone you come to know a human being and and as that occurs things change mm-hmm. and so often you know the word in the greek for uh, accuse like uh, the devil is the accuser of the mm-hmm. brethren right that yeah. that greek word is categoro or categorizomai and from which we get the english word categorize so w- when we create categories of value for example or or positions of notoriety or all those kinds of things and 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 we assign value to categories we are actually participating in accusation wow mm. and um and so it's like, how, how do we break that? Well, we stop talking about those people. Mm-hmm. Those people are us, right? And we don't create the category. Well, how do I get out of the boxes I've created? Well, turn around because Jesus is in the box with you. If that's where you live, <laughs> then guess yeah. what? Oh yeah, the, you know the only the only time you'll find God in a box is because He wants to be with us. He wants to be with us, yeah. And, yep. And so then it's about you know breaking down the walls that divide, and mm-hmm. and that we're now talking about forgiveness and reconciliation and all kinds of things. But part of it is we we no longer see people according to their categories, mm-hmm. according to the flesh, according to their presentation. Mm-hmm. We begin to see that the reality of that person is that they are. A diamond, yeah, you know, well, and and mm-hmm. relate yeah. to them that way. Well, Brad, I I love that you mentioned you know you know, pastors even just kind of in the public, and you know we've even seen in twenty twenty you know some scenarios like that where there's just been you know public falls and and you know and then everyone's talking about them and all these videos on YouTube analyzing why this happened, what you know what happened. People, everyone has an opinion about it and. Even in my life, you know, I've some, got some close friends that in the past year or two have walked through um, exposure. And I feel like in 2020, there's been a lot of exposure that has taken place in, in many people's lives. And a couple of you know, close friends of mine have exposed themselves as the Holy Spirit has, you know, convicted them and spoke to them to share with their family certain things that have been taking place. And, and because of that, it's amazing. I've seen before my very eyes a healing journey take place. The, the, the result and the response wasn't brokenness and dysfunction. It actually, you know, gave the opportunity for the individuals to get closer and to work through things that needed to be worked through. And, you know, it was, it's actually been beautiful and incredible to see. And I know that you've said, um, Paul, that the unexposed is the unhealed and the work of the Holy Spirit is to expose lies and darkness. And God wants to remove anything that hinders us from being fully human and fully alive. I've, I pulled that from an interview and from quotes and books of yours, cause it's powerful. I'd love for you to share a little bit about that. Uh, you know, there's this passage that scared the, <laughs> scared us when we were growing up, you know, <laughs> as religious kids. And that was, that was, you know, the things that you have done in secret will be shouted from the rooftops, right? Because mm-hmm. we heard that and we thought, oh my gosh, you know, that's a promise of humiliation. Mm-hmm. It's actually a promise of redemption. You know, because the unexposed is the unhealed, we are as sick as the secrets that we keep. And the idea that our lives would be exposed means that our lives could become whole. Mm. And it's, you know, we, I, I was in a conversation with a group of community of people, a lot of them who deal with um, 
the families on the street who are um, without, uh, you know, brick and mortar homes. And, yeah. and somebody asked one of them and said, so are you saying that the, the church should be more like AA? And the response was, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Because the first few hundred years of the community of faith was just like AA. And, um, and you know, part of the great gift of, of AA, I think, by the Holy Spirit, because, I, you know, that is a community of people who uh, their, their message and work has saved millions of people's lives. Mm-hmm. And, um, but a lot of them are in basements of churches. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and they meet there and it's like, what a gift to teach the community of faith, how to be church together. And at the centerpiece of what they do is exposure, mm-hmm. not to humiliate, but in order for healing to be possible, mm-hmm. y- you have to be a truth teller. You have to learn to tell the truth. And, and man, what a difficult journey that is. So, you know, there is something still broken in us when we see the mighty fall. Yes. And we take some glee in it. You know, a, a really good question is why? Why would we go there? And yes, let's rejoice because now there is a possibility for wholeness. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a possibility of working toward authenticity. You know, and, um, and, and, and you see it. The reason it's called the pastor, a crisis. Crisis is the Greek word for, for crisis, uh, which means, and it's translated usually judgment, is that there is judgment and exposure. If you don't feel the fire that happens when you're exposed, anybody who has gone through that knows that it's, you know, it's like people who say, Religious people believe in hell, but spiritual people have been there because mm. there is a fire of purification that is absolutely rending and painful. This is, this is not, like Bradley was saying, grace that just covers over. This is grace that, that penetrates into every crevice that that brokenness has found and to burn it away. Mm-hmm. And and that's the beauty of the burning bush, yeah? The burning bush is where the fire of God's love destroys all that which is not really alive. It may look alive, but if it's without not alive, dis- it will not, without yeah. destroying that which is alive. Yeah. Yeah, another picture of that, uh, that in, in my faith tradition is is the, the boys in the fiery furnace, right? And it, it's, yeah. What, yeah. what's burned there? Well, the, their bonds are burned. The accuser's bird, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> if you don't get l- too literalistic with it, but you realize there is there is Christ in the fire with us as as the ropes and chains that held us down are burned away. Um, mm, this, is, this is why Jesus says at the end of uh, Mark nine that uh, you know he he gives them a war- a stern warning, and it's probably even using their their thoughts that it's cut your hand off or poke your eye out you know it's better to go into the kingdom of heaven with one eye or one hand than to go into the fires of Gehenna with both with, with both but the very next thing he says is uh, but you, but you will all be salted with fire 
So it's not a us, them, in, out thing. You'll all be salted with fire. And then he also says, but salt is good. And so this is a restorative judgment, not a retributive mm. one. And then he says, so make sure that you have salt in yourselves. And so now he's saying you can internalize this fire and you can even commit to it. Make sure and it's that it's in you and and that it's not this not simply some dread judgment when we pass away, but that right now when the fire comes to burn up the the, the you know the chaff or the dross or whatever that that we welcome it and 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 we can welcome it because it's the fire of love and oh. and that's what I experienced yes. in twelve step meetings is and with from twelve step sponsors when you do a fearless moral inventory and you lay out not only your misbehaviors but your character defects like pride and manipulation and all of that stuff. And then the sponsor who's listening to your step five hears it without cringing and extends grace. They are embodying, they are embodying that love. Well, that's a fiery crisis when you do it, but Mm -hmm. wow, you leave there feeling like 10,000 pounds has been lifted off of you because that's what you've been dragging around. Oh, absolutely. I love that you just mentioned that the fire is his love. You know, the Bible talks about God being an all-consuming fire. He's burning passion of love, and he wants to burn up everything that destroys us and hurts his children. He's got fire in his eyes, it says in the book of Revelation, but that's not anger. That's that's the love that he feels towards his, his children. Even anger is an extension of love because he's upset at that which ails us and harms us. And so, I think that's that's beautiful. You know, even exposure, people see exposure as a negative thing, but when the Holy Spirit exposes things in our lives, it's because he wants to heal it. it. It's really for us. And I love scripture in Ephesians where it says that he, you know, that that whatever we take out of darkness and bring it into light, it becomes light. I just I love that passage because when we take things out of the darkness and we and we bring it to the light, you know, it just becomes light and the Lord does such a deep work and I just think this book is so powerful. There's so many testimonies already already coming out and you guys share such a powerful, you know, the, the gospel message, a message of identity and love and freedom and grace and just, you know, walking with the Lord every single day, no separation. You know, how the Lord sees us, how he views us, how he works with us, how he sets us free in so many ways. And so I'm grateful uh, to both you guys and the message you carry. And I want to dive into more of your books, Brad, and your books, Paul, have been such a huge in, you know, blessing in my life. And how could people get a hold of this book? I feel like it's timely. It's very timely, especially with so much, so many things coming to the surface in 2020 and the beginning of this year that people grab a copy of it. Um, well, you can get you can get hard copies or Kindle or the audiobook through Amazon. Uh, mm-hmm. Audiobooks on Audible dot mm-hmm. com. You can also get signed copies through Premier Collectibles dot com mm-hmm. slash Pastor with an E on the end of Premier Premier Collectibles dot com slash Pastor. But like Same Paul price. said before, we we really recommend going for the the audiobook. It is quite an immersive experience. Yes. And it's only, I think it's about three and a half hours to listen to it all the way through. And so, Correct. you know, we, we, you could yeah. drive and listen to it. You could, you could listen to it when you're you know jogging or whatever you're doing throughout the day. It's, 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 it's quick to get through and it's, it packs a powerful punch. And so that's awesome. Yeah. You might have to pull over a couple of times. I'm just saying. <laughs> Be prepared. It, it goes deep. It, it goes deep. It's definitely honest and raw and everything that we said here. But like you said, there's no one to, um, you know, there's no sin too deep 
and there's no one that's irredeemable. And so that's a beautiful, uh, powerful truth. And so thank you guys so much for joining me today. It was, it was cool. It was, it was a great time. Oh, absolutely. Pleasure. Love being with you. Brad, I'd Always love to love being with Bradley. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to have you on just you know, to talk about one of your you know, books. I'd love to dive in and, and have you on again, Brad. Well, thank you. I'd love to come and appreciate uh, you and Paul including me in today's conversation. That was really wonderful. Oh, absolutely. My joy, 100%. So thank you guys so much. For those who are listening right now, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It'll help us get it out to more people so they could be encouraged, strengthened, and inspired by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless you guys, and I'll speak to you next time on Awakened Podcast. Awaken Podcast.